You're listening to episode 232 of the Comics Pals, where a group of comic book journalists and friends record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Now, Phil's not here, but in his legacy, um, I've learned something. And that's quit while you're ahead. So today's joke, not happening. You know, I had my I had my win. That's it. I'll take the W. That's something that Phil's never learned how to do. Probably because he's never actually gotten a W, but (laughs) I appreciate that you were able to learn from his mistakes. Yep. That's a smart move, Marco. (laughs) Season nine Seinfeld, you know? (laughs) Just go out on top, you know? (laughs) I like that I like that Marco uh characterized it like like to continue his legacy so now i'm thinking of phil as a mantle that passes like a superhero <laughs> moniker oh god so is that just like the worst least funny pal or like the worst least funny <laughs> oh it's like it's like going from ma hunkle the red tornado the the old lady who wears a pot on her head as a helmet to the android the red tornado who serves in the justice league and yeah, you lose. Yeah, gets something. killed often, frankly, but I mean, he's there. You know, he's. Sure. <laughs> Damn. Also, I feel like you know, no, no, no real shade at Phil, but I feel like when you're not on the show, like that's that's when we lay into you. You know, like if you don't show up, you're the punching bag. You know. And I, yeah, I dodged it last week. Well, I respect uh, I you. Didn't... That's it's a little well, different. Thank you. you know, thank you. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know those were the rules. I would have taken some shots. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta you gotta you gotta throw a jab in there every time of course you gotta mix it up um and it gives me the opportunity to come back but then but see then i come back and i actually listen and then i'm gonna have some heat exactly and with me with a week to think about <laughs> it's it not worth that, it i wouldn't yeah I wouldn't <laughs> um <laughs> you've said before sean if you're gonna come for you you have to come correct so it's i gotta like king. think about what i'm gonna make fun of you for you know i don't have the prep time <laughs> So it's one, one, you don't have the prep time, but two, you don't remember what you said by the end of the show. So oh. by the time next week rolls around, forget it. You're Sean will bring it up and it's like, I don't even know what I said. Like, I can't even defend myself. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, Pete hosted last week and while Pete is no Tony Schiavone, uh, he did hold down the fort. So thank best. you for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm back though. And I have a lot of things to say. I feel like I missed the wrong week. Yeah. Uh, We had massive news about Uh Marvel and all this crazy stuff. But you know what's cool? This week might even be bigger than that. And we have so many things to talk about. John Romita Jr. is back at Marvel, if you can believe that. Uh, The president of Comics Pro thinks that Marvel's move might be a good decision. Oh, believe it or not, San Diego Comic-Con is coming back this year on a holiday. And and I promise that in our main topic, there will be a Sean Soapbox rant that you do not want to miss. There will be blood. There will be blood. Absolutely. Great film. Uh, so lots of good stuff coming up today on this episode of the Comics Pals. But before we get into all that, I want to let you guys know where you can find us all over the Internet. Of course, we are the Comics Pals. Get us wherever you get your podcasts for free, by the way, of course. Uh, if you want to write to us, you can do so at the Comics Pals at gmail.com. If you want us on social, we are the Comics Pals there as well. 
If you want to interact with us further, join our Discord server. Come hang out with us. We're always having great conversations over there, whether you're a weeb, a fan of television shows, or anything else for that matter. Maybe even comics. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you very much. We appreciate you. Hit that subscribe button, like the video, share with your friends, and, uh, you know, let let the people know in your life that we're out here and you enjoy what we do. All of the things that I mentioned are free to do, so it costs you nothing to support the show and hang out with your boys. Now, a couple of announcements. Number one, this is, this is to me, this is huge. Next week on the show, we are going to be joined by none other than Ram V. Whoa, that's huge. I'm so Writer excited. Writer of Swamp Thing, The Swamp Thing. Uh that's going to be cool. Obviously, we have been enjoying Swamp Thing on this podcast. Ram has been killing it uh, over the course of at least the, the two issues. So uh, we'll have lots to speak about with him. But it's not just about us. You know, we get to do the interview, and that's cool. But you guys get to write into us and let us know what you want us to ask him. Hey. If you have questions for Ram V, write in at the comics pals or gmail.com or wherever it is you're listening to us. There's a comment section. Leave your comments for Ram there. We will scoop those up and we will ask the man next week on this very podcast. Save the date. Join us next Monday for Ram V. And if you haven't already, make sure you go check out the Mike Perkins interview that Sean and Kel did with the artist of the Swamp Thing. Uh, Great interview. And uh, Mike was super, super awesome. So go check it out. Yeah. He was very giving. That was very fun. This will be a the, that will be a companion piece to this interview. So uh, check them both out together. You won't regret it. I'd be remiss if I didn't also mention some of our additional content. We've got Falcon and Winter Soldier and Invincible on these respective seasons of We Watched. So go check those out. Both shows are very good, and we've had a lot of praise for them. So if you feel that same way, or if you don't, and you want to hear our thoughts, go check that out. And of course, our never-ending uh, uh, amount of book clubs. We've got the <laughs> Invincible Book Club that's out now and a massive backlog. Take the Comics Pals Challenge. Go look at our list of book clubs. I defy you to not find a book that you enjoy on that list. And if you don't, you could write in, let us know what you want us to do for a book club, and we'll get to it eventually probably in 2022 <laughs> at this point but we will get to it <laughs> it'll happen we promise now remember how marvel let us vote on members of the x-men yeah i can't yes, believe Phil lost so tight so tight race it's really really tight one yeah yeah but, you know. that he's used to that um so <laughs> now marvel's distinguished competition dc comics Oh, is you. letting is, is that letting, what DC stands for? Distinguished competition. <laughs> <laughs> They're letting you choose something from their books, but of course, dead up the ante. Oh, Marvel raises their prices to to uh, three ninety nine. DC raises their prices to five ninety nine. Hey, you know how DC wow. does. So they are letting you vote. On a new series entirely mm. in a March Madness style bracket based tournament. So, okay. this is going to take place 
between the end of March, which of course has passed, and the end of May. Leave so it to them to for- not do a March Madness bracket in March, huh? Listen, it's fucking killing comics. it over there. Clearly, I mean, they just thought of it. They, they, yeah, they fired all their editors. So, I mean, how else are they going <laughs> to Some interns a, a story? like, uh, yeah. <laughs> One of the interns is like, hey, wouldn't it be great if we did a March Madness uh, special? And then someone said, no, of course not. That's stupid. And then once that intern was gone, someone said, uh, we should do a March Madness bracket. <laughs> Does that remind you guys of anywhere? Never mind. So, uh, here are the options, and let me know if any of these stick out to you for any reason. Uh, bracket one, Green Lanterns, Underworld on Fire. Uh, I'm not going to read the exact description. Basically, it's, you know, the Green Lantern, Kyle Rayner, and Kilowog are investigating, you know, some new kingpin in town, and so they have to go into the underworld. Oh, I thought they were going to go to hell. That's that's a little different. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I would read that. Yeah, that sounds cool as hell. Yeah. yeah. So to speak. Uh, Etta Candy, Holiday Hero. It's basically a book where Wonder Woman's bestie, Etta Candy, gets um, superpowers. No, thank you. Right. Yeah. Bracket two, Brave and the Bug, Crisis on Infinite Ambush. Let's oh, go. Okay. A book starring Ambush Bug. That's a fucking great title. <laughs> So uh, Zatanna and the King of Nightmares. She has to face off with the King of Nightmares. Okay. Eh, um, I get a win. Yeah. It's those fishnets, man. Bracket three is Lobo Animal Man Scorched Earth. Ooh. A Lobo Animal Man team up. I miss Animal Man. Right? That's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Where has he been? I don't know. Uh, and then Son of the Creeper, which is a book based on Charles Mance's son. Um, what? No, it's not. Oh, uh, I was like, what the on... fuck? Why? <laughs> it's, you know, it's... variety. Yeah, of course. You got to serve every kind of. Uh, I mean, I don't reader. know, dude. Fucking Conan the Barbarians in Marvel now. Like, who's the fucking say, right? Like, that's the thing. It's comics. Like, <laughs> right. Uh, speaking of of serving every kind of audience, bracket four features Justice League Queer, which is. Yeah. Eight. I'm actually going to read this one. Eight young queer heroes investigate a series of monstrous manifestations around the world and discover that something much more terrifying is coming. Man, oh, if I it's swear. anything like the Pride, which, by the way, is basically a Justice League queer, uh, not interested. Not a great story. Yeah. I, so, I, damn. I, both Kale and I were like, "Yeesh," and I just want to. No problem with there being a queer Justice League, but calling it that is like yeah. not good that's it feels it feels bad yeah like that's like i i don't i don't want to speak out of turn but like it feels bad that's that sounds that's i don't know that's one of those things that immediately i'm just like oof i don't know about that one yeah (laughs) um i'm gonna share my thoughts on that a little later (laughs) uh we've got a book called robins uh which is going to feature the robins Oh, Robin uh, for everyone. And and by the way, so Robins is facing off with Justice League queer. So clearly setting up uh both books for success. I think I uh I think both books minus the Justice League queer title, like they could maybe work. Yeah. 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 Um so this one, bro- this one actually yeah. has the most votes out of all of them. What? I'm like going down Robins the, the no no in between Justice League Queer and Robins. 
this one has 31,000 votes, whatever else this one has has between seventeen to eighteen thousand votes. You mean that this wow. bracket? That, this okay. bracket. Okay. Yeah, this bracket. Yeah, I was confused yeah. by that. Okay. So bracket five is pause off the Justice League, which Hell is yeah. Jimmy Olsen and the and the Super Pets. Yes. Uh, okay. Shit, that's the front runner for me. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, Jesse Quick Control, which features uh, Jesse Quick uh, doing fast stuff. Hell yeah. Jesse uh, rules. Is he like a Speed Force guy? She. She. Okay. Was it? Actually, she wasn't. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I can get into the Johnny Quick history at some point if you want, but maybe I'll, we'll just make that an episode sometime and I'll. Uh, Sounds great. <laughs> just uh, wax about it. <laughs> okay. Dude, so, the, the Jimmy Olsen and the Super Pets, written by a Chip Zdarsky, I'd read the fuck out of that. Yeah. Like, that would be fun. <laughs> and that's, I'm glad you mentioned that. They're not telling us what the creative teams are until round yeah. two. Yeah, all these books actually have creative teams attached. Oh, already. really? And, oh, and pitches, right? The, and I mean, pitches. these are all the pitches. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Exactly. Damn. Okay. Uh, so bracket six: Blue Beetle graduation day. Blue Beetle. Okay. Um, Starfire becomes his mentor, or yeah, his mentor. Yeah. Um, Night Runner love in Paris. This one, Night Runner. This one was the challenge for me. Blue Beetle. Here for it. Night Runner, though. Never heard of him. Yeah, I don't know Night, Night Runner. Night Runner is the French Batman from Batman Inc. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Haven't seen him since since that book. At least since I Batman haven't. Inc. Yeah. yeah that's and pretty he's cool. He's been absolutely nowhere and he's cool as hell. Yeah, that could be cool. I could fuck with that. But Blue Beetle is way in the lead. A few <laughs> so. of these genuinely sound good. Yeah, there's there's some good pitches here, I feel like. So bracket seven is Swamp Thing, A House of Secrets, uh, Swamp Thing in 1905. Cool. Oh, okay. Fuck. Dude. So, I was going to so make fun of that, but. The bracket right now is, uh, it was originally leading Swamp Thing when I voted like uh, a few days ago, but now it's it, Suicide Squad's ahead by 0.4%. Oh. Could have let me say the other one. Yeah, spoiler alert, bro. <laughs> oh, did you not say it? The seven? Oh, I said Swamp Thing. <laughs> oh, I heard seven. Oh, you said Secrets, not seven. Um, Suicide Squad 7, as as Marco illustrated, is more Suicide Squad stuff. Uh, I see Suicide Squad winning that for sure. No. Um, and then the last bracket is Asteria, the last Amazon. So an immortal Amazon uh, comes back to the world of man to do Amazon stuff. Uh, and then Superman and Lois Ignition is a book about Superman and Lois. And yeah, great. turning it on. Right. <laughs> Igniting. So, is this an idea that's cool? This this March Madness thing? Yeah. Like it? Yeah. It's fun. I think it's interesting. It's it's something to like have fans engage. Um and just from like the tweets alone, it looks like people have been. So I think that's at least a, a, a good play. But um, as to like how it'll shake out, I imagine once you know fans pick the kind of thing they want, and then it's not the thing that they want. Uh, that's my worry. Like it's cool, yeah. the idea is cool, but we'll see how it kind of comes out. Exactly, and I see this as kind of different than Marvel letting us pick the uh, new edition of the X Men because. Uh, you know, those characters will still be there, whether or not they're actually on the X-Men. Yeah. Um, 
but we don't know if these all these pitches will get made. I mean, that's a lot of pitches. That's like what sixteen different titles. Yeah. So um, I have a high degree of doubt that they're going to be willing to publish sixteen different titles. Um, we were we were talking about it on the Discord. Uh, a few people had the idea that maybe these could become backup stories because we're getting some of the the books a little bit longer. So maybe the, uh, there'll be like a main story, and the ones that don't make it to like the top eight or the top four, let's say, right. Those become backups in some of these books or something. Did they hmm. say, is, is it just one that's supposed to come out or is it like, are they choosing like the top four or something? I don't see anything in the Twitter thread. So does- I'm assuming based off the bracket, it's going to be the, the top one, but mm, I don't know. Okay. It, it doesn't explain. Interesting. Cause I, I could see that. Like I, I could see this as a thing where like, like obviously, right? It's a marketing play. Like, the, like Marco said, the point of this is to get people excited and talking about these books and interacting yeah. and everything. Great. I wonder if they won't use this to gauge interest in all of these stories. And like, yeah, if like, okay, you know, say whatever. Like the winner is you know Robbins or whatever. But then there was like this huge outcry of like, oh yeah, but that bracket got the most votes, right? So people were clearly interested in this like Justice League queer book or like, you know, oh, when this lost, people blew up and really wanted this book. So maybe we'll put it out anyway. And I could see them kind of using this as a way to get some market research before they actually put any money down. I do have to comment on the Justice League queer thing. We can't get out of this segment without me doing that. Um, That's dumb. And uh, I think that First of all, I'm sure or I hope and I'm pretty confident that whoever pitched this is likely or whatever creative team are likely people who are queer themselves. Sure. Um, And so that's cool. But first of all, that word itself is not a word that every person on the spectrum of non uh, I don't know what the non heterosexual like non heteronormativity normativity. Yeah. Not everyone who's who's on that spectrum is comfortable with that word and so you're not inviting everybody to the to the table sure. by using that phrase and then also it feels very much like let's take all the black people and put them together let's take all yeah. you know it has yeah. that energy about it and you know i've i've tried to look at some of the discourse about this on twitter to see how those people were feeling and what i read a lot of was um you know we we want more representation but this doesn't feel like the way but we have to accept it and vote for this because this is the only way we can get more yeah exactly and that's sad that that anyone should have to feel that way why can't the normal justice league book instead of having the exact same seven characters every single time you know mix it up a little bit you know um brian michael bendis's justice league book that's out now why can't that book feature some of these characters i don't know um or you could do you could do a side justice league book that features in general more not obscure but like b-list justice league characters and then you know level them up you know put some exposure on them this just feels like a if it just doesn't feel like the right way to go about it yeah, I, I I agree with you, and and I feel like I feel like even if you want to do a book <clears throat> that's about a Justice League team that is entirely made up of queer people or like non straight people, I don't even think that's necessarily a problem. But like, I do think that as soon like when you put that title on it too, like I feel like it does 
get into that that realm, right? And it, it very much reminded me of that joke uh, from Falcon Winter Soldier last week where he's like, oh, my dad said you're the black Falcon. He's like, what are you, black kid? You know, like, it's just like, wh- why do we have to, you know what I mean? Like, make make it a queer team. Like, make it a book about queer people. Awesome. But, like, does it need to be called, like, oh, it's the Queer Justice League. It's like, can't they just have yeah. a name? Like, you know? Like, I don't know. I, I made a joke about the Pride. Um, it's a it's a book that's specifically focused around queer, non-binary people, and um, the they specifically. I think one of the jokes they make is like, "Oh, we're not going to be like Justice League X, or we're not going to be the League of whatever." The, the Pride it, they're they're called the Pride because one Pride is obviously like a, a word associated within the queer community, sure. but also the Pride because they're a unified force. Like like there's meaning behind it where this feels like cool we're gonna slap the label on and mm. th- and you know wrangle up to what john said we're gonna wrangle up these specific characters and put it out there whereas there could be a little bit more uh, i think nuance to what's being yeah portrayed and there's just a better way to represent that i think and what's the you know what's the uh what's the event what's the crisis that causes strictly the queer people to team up like <laughs> and make it yeah what? name themselves yeah it just it yeah. feels like you, it feels contrived right like it doesn't feel authentic when even even the pitch you know if i if i'm if i'm not mistaken it was just like they go monster hunting or something right yeah and it's, it's like okay yeah. who are your queer characters then that are going to make people show up for this book to for that to be your pitch yeah there was some speculation that they might be new characters they would have to be i think so. that woman's not gonna go hunt a monster to be on a team right like (laughs) sure sure. yeah yeah and 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 again i feel like i feel like when you do that right when you make a new team of new characters and you give this very like i don't know like like tokeny kind of name like it it feels like um I remember there was that other play that we kind of criticized. I think it was DC for not that long ago where they were like, here's a bunch of new characters. And they were all these very like, very on the nose, like pointing at social issues. And it's just like, guys, like, oh. do you remember the team I'm talking about? Was that Marvel? Was it Marvel? It was, it was Marvel. It was. Yeah. yeah, yeah and they like came and that. went immediately, you know? Oh, yeah. Whatever happened to that? And they came in went. Yeah, nobody read it. So and I feel like you're just you're you're kind of repeating that same pattern. Right? And it's just like I don't I don't this is not the way to do it, man. You know? You're probably right. Um but speaking of repeating, I think we've said our piece on this issue. So write in though and let us know what you think about this because uh it is a little odd. What do you think about the March Madness presentation of this whole thing? I think it's I think it's kind of fun, but I agree with Marco. This could backfire. So mm. we'll 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 be uh, we'll be watching the progress of this thing and see what gets out of round one. Uh, we don't have long to wait. We will know next week. So um, vote Swamp Thing. I did uh, vote your conscience. Yeah, yeah which thing. should be Swamp Thing. Let's go. <laughs> Zatanna is winning the whole thing. She got this. In the nah, pack. nah. Uh, she's killing that bracket. I'll tell you that. She's like forty. 40- <laughs> percent up <laughs> of course uh so let's uh let's read a quick listener comment from katherine stars all right so this one came uh on episode 231 over on youtube which is last week's show uh so katherine wrote in and said black widow i can i can understand why they'd postpone it again it's a little bit of a bummer but honestly i'm good with it 
I don't know if we'd be going to the theater in May ourselves, uh, to be honest, and I really want to be able to see that movie in theaters, if only because the last Marvel experience I had in the theater was Endgame uh, three times. Damn. Three times. The dedication. All right. Uh, I haven't been to a theater in so long, and y'all have a point about it being a a better moneymaker. I'm crossing my fingers by July. Things will be great. Pierce Brosnan and The Rock opposite each other? I'm so curious to see this. Just knowing The Rock is going to be in it had me surprised, but curious to see how it'll go. Although, y'all mentioned Drake and Josh in the DC movie, and I would be the first in line to see it. I think James Gunn is going to bring something great to DC for all of us with Suicide Squad. The cast is interesting. I'm loving John Cena and Idris Elba being there. Mostly Idris Elba, though. I fucking love him. Who doesn't? Uh, James Gunn should be able to deliver a good movie, though, and I'm truly thinking this is going to be a win for DC and that that the humor and fun will be done very well. I better not be proven wrong. Better not. Uh, I love that. uh, The way this the way this is worded. uh, I don't know if we'd be going to the theater in May ourselves. Sounds like Catherine just speaks in just speaks in the third person, I guess. Or would that be third person? Yeah. 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 Um, But uh, yeah, no, thank you for writing in. I definitely agree. I am going to be in theaters for every movie this year. I'm vaccinated, so I'm out there. As far as movies go, I got to do it. I would have gone if I wasn't vaccinated because I need to be in the movie theater. <laughs> it is what it is. I need that popcorn in my life. Um, I think that's why I Widow. wouldn't do it until I was fully vaxxed because like the eating and like I'd be like way too like this is giving me out. But I'm with you. Like once, yeah, yeah. once you got them both, you're fucking gravy, right? Like <laughs> pretty much. You only got to yeah. worry if you're around other unvaccinated people after that. Right. So like go to the movie, Word. hunker down for two weeks and you're straight. Like, <laughs> yo, Sean, let's chill. Let's go watch that movie together, brother. Yeah, you yo, guys good. Absolutely. I'm not vaccinated yet. Let's go hang out. No, Marco. No. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm the threat to you. Sean's gonna kill Marco. <laughs> oh, that's right. Wait, that is right. <laughs> uh, all right, great. Thank you, Catherine, for writing in. I'll never get oh, over that Drake it. and Josh Booster Gold uh, oh, Blue it? Beetle movie. Is that what it was? I think that was yeah, the pitch. Yeah. yeah, I want it. That doesn't now. sound right. <laughs> that was pretty good. You guys were you guys were riffing on the worst the worst actors you could bring in to play certain characters and then it kind of morphed into a drake Drake, it was drake bell as someone hey i wasn't i thought i'm sure it was i'm pretty sure we did go listen back. all right somebody somebody go listen back uh let's jump into the pals pull so kale chose silver coin number one yes this is uh chip zadarsky's horror title at image Oh, uh, so mm-hmm. I'm here for that. That's cool. My man has been making uh, hard moves in Daredevil, so we know he's got genre chops. So I'm I'm here to see what he's got. Man, Kale, I'm surprised you don't read Daredevil, dude. Uh, I love Daredevil as a character. I think he's incredible. I've never once picked up a Daredevil monthly. Really? I've got one or two. I've got one or two trades. Oh. I just he's not. He's not the character I go to first. I don't know. I never recommend you books. I, I I think if you just gave Chips like the first few issues a try, if you hate it, drop it. I think you get something out of it. I really got to read that too. You and Phil Chip, both pushed me to read that. Yeah, yeah, Chips Chips high on the list of people I would like to read on Daredevil. So It's quite good. 
Um, you also chose Seven Secrets, Volume One. So this is Tom Taylor's first uh, foray into creator-owned stuff, and I haven't read it yet, but I've been looking forward to it uh, because of all his success in in uh, uh, Justice League, no, uh, Injustice, and then this the is- other thing. Oh, and then he's yeah. done a few other things. Um, and I'm just really excited to see what he's got to bring to the table. What's the elevator pitch? So, uh, uh, there are seven, there are seven secrets and you'll never guess how it unfolds. Great. Okay. Okay. Well, I really liked injustice. So maybe I'll check this out. The elevator pitch of seven secrets. If I remember correctly, no, wait, is that the James Tinian book? Okay. I'm not going to say it because I could be wrong. (laughs) And I, these two books have similar pitches, I think, so I don't even want to dive in. Are, are you thinking about Department of Truth? No. Um, I think this is the book about uh, a, a child who has powers, and no one can know that they have these powers, but then they end up using them to save people, and now the secret is is kind of out, and they have to be on the run, this child and their friends. I believe that's the pitch, something of that nature. Um, But... <laughs> could be wrong uh so marco chose hollow heart number two yo hollow heart so i read the first one this is the story of um a two people falling in love one being trapped inside of a robotic metal like cold suit and the other one being like an actual flesh human being and the first issue was good i remember specifically getting to the end and stopping going like wait that was that it was like the rest and it was just paced so well that uh, i didn't realize that i'd hit the end because the the story was getting into a good spot so it definitely hooked me for an issue two and i'll see how how it unfolds but i might stick on this one nice Uh, i picked up issue one i haven't read it yet but uh, i'm looking forward to giving it a shot and probably pick up issue two as well yeah let me know Uh, pete chose marauders 19 yeah so marauders has been in a weird spot um, you know, we've kind of been critical of all of the X books of of late, because um, none of us were really into Ten of Swords and like the last issue or so, um, kind of in the aftermath. You can kind of see the gears turning a little bit. You can see where like COVID impacted some of the releases and that like Marauder should probably be a little bit further along. Um, but it's a book that I, I really want to like, and when it hits, it does work for me. So I'm I'm still kind of on the ride for it right now, and I want to see it get to its next arc and see if that's gonna you know kind of scratch the itch for me. Um, because if it doesn't, I think I'm I'm increasingly getting to a point where I'm happy to trade weight because it's just not it's not moving as quickly as I want it to, and it's it's starting to get to the point where I'm getting frustrated with it. Um, but I also think that in the same way that X Men. Uh, right now is like finally back on track in a, in a direction I want to pay attention to that this could probably go the same way. So we'll see. Speaking of X-Men, delayed, delayed another four weeks. So it'll be eight weeks between X-Men 19 and 20. Damn, wow. really? Brutal. Shit. Yep. Um, That's the first delay yet, right? That's not too bad. Or it? no, I guess second, but... So... Marco and Pete both chose the Swamp Thing number two. Hell yeah, my boy! <laughs> He's back at it. 
another monthly. It's a series, a little mini series, 10 issues. But anytime we get Swamp Thing, it's a good thing. We did a review a few weeks back now, and I think we all were pretty high on it. Yeah, I loved um, issue one. Yeah, uh, and, and Mike Perkins art, if you go listen to that interview, he gives us a little bit of insight, and that's just like crushing it. Um, so definitely go check this out and stay tuned because uh, since it drops next week and we're going to have Ram next week, we'll probably have some questions. So definitely tune back in to go see what, what that's all about. Yeah, book's absolute slam dunk, I think. All-Star team first issue was really strong. I'm super excited to see where it goes. Swap day. Great new character. Yeah, Levi's great. Oh, no, Swamp Thing. Oh, yes. (laughs) Great new character. I chose Geiger, number one. Geiger. Geiger, regular (laughs) since Friday. (laughs) Visit GeigerMovie.com for more information. (laughs) We're going to hear that one day, most likely. Uh, (laughs) So, obviously, it's not cool to like Jeff Johns right now. I don't even know that I personally like him, but... (laughs) Uh, <laughs> that man, won't stop me from reading his book. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not at all. The, the man can write a comic book. Gary Frank can certainly draw a comic book. And Geiger. Uh, Geiger. I'm here for it. You know, <laughs> Let's see what it is. I'm curious about what this book is. Um, and, you know, we haven't seen much from Jeff in the comic space. So, um, you know, I'm all in. I'm going to read it for sure. And uh, we're going to have a review for you guys. It's going to be out on Wednesday. Yep. Um, we have we have the ability to have a little bit of early access to this book, thankfully. So shout out to be getting that. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely, we're going to be getting that review out to you guys on Wednesday, which is a little different from how we normally do things. But we hope you enjoy it. Uh, and then also, I chose Magic Number One. So this is actually Magic: The Gatherings comic book. What? Oh yeah, I saw that. Oh yeah. Fuck. Okay, yeah, I put this on my list. What's up? <laughs> Call um, me when they get a Yu-Gi-Oh one. I'll be oh. there. It's a manga, bro. Yo, the Magic what? Universe is so much better. All right. <laughs> um, I'm I, I've I've played Magic like once and I hated it, but uh, I want to see what the book's gonna be. Uh, it's by Jed McKay and Iguara. Um, so don't know who they are, but it's got a nice Mateo Scalera cover which I'm into and it's magic. So we'll see Boom I'm studios really surprised that you have never gotten into magic. Like I know you, like I just card- didn't like it. I know you like card games and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Magic is um, magic is the OG card game, but it's, it's, it's very slow. And <sighs> at, at the time, this was not recent. This was okay. in like 2002. And at the time, I was playing Yu-Gi-Oh, which was not slow. The man, just the man, very nature of it having a mana system makes it slow. So, um, at least at the time. Sure, so. sure, yeah. Oh man, this this really makes me want to like have a weekend where I just like pull out all my Magic decks and be like, let's play Magic. I want to try to get you into it. <laughs> uh, that's like I, I love card games, and Magic is like the only one that I I still fuck with because I fucking love Magic: The Gathering. So this is the liter- Pete loves card games so much so that this is literally the first time in six years that I've ever heard him mention one card game. Okay, that's well, impossible. First uh, of all, that's not true. You don't pay attention to anything, and you're losing your mind. So I'm sure that that's part of the. I problem. pay attention to things. Sure, you do, Gramps. <laughs> but also, 
uh, I like Sean just said where he's like, I can't get into that. I've had to like, you got to take a step back at some point because it's like heroin. You know, you're just chasing <laughs> the dragon forever, and that shit will run you. Dr- I spent way too much money on magic cards at points when I had no fucking money at all. To the point where now I'm like, I got my decks. I'm good. You got a you got a wedding coming up. You got to pay. Yeah, pay right. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about the the amount of money that I've spent on cards. I don't even want to talk. It's crazy. Let's forget about me and my obsessions and let's shift gears to the news. And we're starting off. Sorry. It's a whole podcast about it. (laughs) Me and my obsessions. We don't Uh, want that podcast. Sean soapbox. Well, we just cleverly titled it the comics pal. So the rest of us would have a pretense to be here. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be on my soapbox a little later. I promise you. But um, John Ramita jr is making his grand return to Marvel Comics. Um, He's coming back in July. And they did a big, you know, a big, um, a big promotional image. And it's got, you know, a ton of different heroes drawn by him. And you don't have to do anything more than look at this drawing to know why. I am not excited about this. <laughs> that was not where I thought that was yep. going. Yeah, I yep. really thought uh-huh. I really thought you were ramping somewhere else with that one. <laughs> oh boy, uh, John Romita Jr. has lost it a little bit. I I I I have nothing but respect for the man, nothing but respect for the legacy and what he has accomplished. I think that you know when you're talking about artists with impact, he's up there. But for me, in 2021 and in 20 whatever, uh, I have not been a fan of John Romita Jr.'s artwork. I think the last time that I truly enjoyed what he did was, um, am I crazy? Kick-ass? No, I was going to say that was the last time for me. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah he co-created yeah. that with uh, Mark Millar. Mark Millar. Right, yeah. yeah. So that was probably the last time. And I mean, that I was, really... what, 2007 or something, like, when it yeah. first came out? Yeah. The Avengers stuff I just didn't think was very good. Um, and, yeah, I just haven't really checked for him in some time because of mm-hmm. that feeling. But, listen, is it a big deal that he's coming back? Yeah, absolutely. It's huge. Um, it's, I mean, wild that Marvel will still give him a paycheck. Well, <laughs> I th- the I name it's... value. I think it's one of those things, though, right? Like, we've talked about this uh, with Bendis all the time, right? right? Is that, like, names sell in comics. Like, that's a huge thing. And, you know, to some degree, I think that's good. Like, I think that, you know, at least when I was a younger comics fan, I, I felt like I followed characters, not creators. And that yeah. often leads to disappointment. Um, so you want to follow the creators that you vibe with, respect that and everything. But, like, I do think that we have kind of a rock star problem in comics where, like, there are people that hit a certain level where, like, they're one of the best of all time. So then, like, people flock to what they create, even if it's not good anymore. Mm. Um, And, you know, yeah, like, absolutely no disrespect to JRJR. Like, he is one of the all-time greats at his peak, but I think his peak was, like, you know what 30 years ago like damn listen 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 okay hold on if 
Ozzy Osbourne can can still get his bony ass into the studio <laughs> to make a record and people will buy it, then Junior Junior has every right. I'm not saying he has no right. I just think it's like it, it speaks to why, to your point, Sean, this is a big deal, even though it probably won't lead to books that look good. Well, I'm not convinced that people don't like him. I just, you think I it's just an don't. us problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I've seen people excited about this. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Yeah. I mean, that's probably fair. Because, like, I, Kale, do you do you feel like people don't like him by and large? Like, what do you? I, what have you heard? I oh, I haven't heard anything. Okay. I I just I know that I can't stand him anymore. He was he. Uh, I guess he was my introduction into the mainline Marvel books uh, when he was on Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I'm that old, um, and uh, with uh, Straczynski, I picked those up off the stands. Don't roll your eyes. That's true, <laughs> dude. You're, but I was there too. We're not that old. Um, uh, 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 that was but, good, um, actually. His stuff that that stuff was top notch. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't figure out what happened. <laughs> that was good. I mean, that's he, the thing, man. Like I, 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 you know, not to be like, um, like ageist or anything like that, but I think it is, we've talked about it with Bendis. Like, I think there's a real difference between you when you're young and hungry versus when you're established and have every opportunity. Like it, you, but joint like, the dude's name is John Romita Jr. He's the the son of comics legend John Romita. Right. He came up in this industry, so he like I, no no disrespect. I'm sure I'm sure at one point maybe he was young and hungry, but my <laughs> man has been in it his whole life, and his stuff in the '90s is just as strong as it was in this run with Straczynski that I was just talking about, and then almost immediately after. You make your case for kick ass. I didn't read it, but immediately after that, it just plateaued and then shot down. So, how old do you guys think that uh, John Romita is? 67. Okay. 52. Okay. Yeah, he's got to be late 50s, early 60s, I think, because he first came on the scene in what? 80s? Yeah, like the early 80s, though, right? Nah, probably late. Okay. Just throw a number out there, Pete. 58. All right. So he's 64. Oh, so close. Now, for comparison, Grant Morrison is 61. Grant Morrison is 61? Grant Morrison is 61 years old. They only have three years left. Oh, (laughs) you just just proved to me that Grant Morrison is some kind of wizard because or something some magical entity because they yeah. look so young <laughs> i i just i just feel that you know age ain't nothing but a number and you know romita as far as our enjoyment of him you know maybe he did fall off and that could be attributed to a million factors yeah. i'm going to go into whatever this project is um knowing how i feel about him willing to give him a chance especially for the hype because i'm all about the hype sure (laughs) um so we'll see he is starting in july and extreme carnage which was 
just recently announced is also starting in July. So that could be the book that he's going to be doing. But um, either way, you don't get John Romita Jr. back on your roster to do small little books. So we'll see what they put him on. Um, I'm not pumped about it, but I am so curious. If you're a listener and you love John Romita Jr., uh, tell me why. Like, what, what books of late has he put out in the last, let's say, 15 years that you really love, that you stand by from an artist, from an artistic perspective? Yeah. Love to hear it. Sure. Um, to hear it. <laughs> so let's, let's talk a little bit more about the Penguin Random House Marvel deal. Last week, you guys covered that in the main topic of our show, and you discussed you know what this means for comics and 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 you know there is a comparison to be made between this move by marvel and what dc did just one year ago um but the president of comics pro is saying that this could be a great thing for comics so jen haynes is as i said the president for comics pro um which is basically just like the you know, all the different, uh, you know, retailers and stuff together. Um, and so she said, this news brings both positives and negatives. On the downside, a lot of stores are worried about losing their discounts and about the workload of ordering from an additional distributor. However, the positives seem to outweigh the, these negatives. Penguin Random House is an excellent company that has been a central piece in growing graphic novels in the book market. They also bring certain perks with them, such as displays, terms, and free shipping, which will help stores in the long run. As long as they can get a handle on the trickiness of packing comics and books without damages, this should be a good step forward for the industry as a whole. Now, uh, I didn't get to weigh in on this, so I think that uh, this is different than what DC did. The fact that DC sprung new distributors out of nowhere is probably the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. uh, Penguin Random House has the ability from a financial perspective and also just from a, a powerhouse perspective to do this and to do it in a way that's going to offset costs for um, you know comic book stores in a way that they've never experienced before. And you know, I think that's a great thing. I think it can be a great thing. Um, we don't need Diamond if you have competent big business to come in and do the job more efficiently. Yeah. It's just what it is. And Diamond will still be there. So, you know, this isn't an either or the way it was with DC. DC yep. said, you cannot get our books from Diamond anymore. That's wrap. That's not the case here. So it's a very different situation. Uh, there was a lot of people saying that the reaction was biased because this is Marvel and not DC. That's not true. Yeah, I don't think that's fair um, to say. Yeah, They're different. I, I don't. Yeah. I. So for me, I think the biggest thing that this sort of affected was how independent smaller publisher comics are going to be affected because a lot of them rely on the discounts that diamond would provide based off of order volume and jeppy made a statement where he's going to be you know they're going to be reviewing the discounts they're going to be reviewing some of those contracts to be able to hopefully appease to some of that um which is a, which is a good step 
Um, and I that, that's my biggest worry is how this is going to affect Image, Dark Horse, IDW, Boom, et cetera, right? Those, uh, those specific publishers. And I think at least on the positive end, it'll allow Diamond to try to step up their game because now they have outside of outside of you know lunar being the a direct you know comics distributor by introducing penguin they need to be able to do something that is a little bit different from a business perspective um be it you know better packaging better uh service addressing the rates that's some of the, that stuff that they that they're they're doing um but I think that a little bit more and that'll depend on like the the supply chain that they're accessing from paper, et cetera, right? There's a lot there that I think now they're sort of forced to optimize that, which I think could be a positive in the long run for some of the smaller pubs. I don't know that they'll be able to do it, honestly. Like, I, I mean, wh- whether or not they they will they'll be able to i think at at at, at this point it's going to become almost like necessary i think i think you're right but i i think that um that's ultimately what i think is going to be the death blow for them is that mm-hmm. like i think it's going to be um forgive me for using this term again right but like a death by a thousand cuts situation for them because realistically i don't think they can keep up like diamond already doesn't provide those things and you know we talked about this multiple times we talked about this before dc left diamond that diamond is suboptimal uh and and that's probably being generous right and not to say that they're awful we also talked about all the things that they do that are good and why they've become the de facto choice right but that said that when you have a legitimate competitor in penguin and you know to sean's point a big business competitor who has way more resources and can inject cash in other ways um like that you know they have the whole of their business to pull from to build new infrastructure to get better packaging practices to pitch your dark horses and your images and your whoever's to be like well why don't you ditch diamond and come to us like marvel did and we're gonna give you a better deal and you get all these perks and you get uh the the sales rep and all these things that like diamond can't offer and there's no way that diamond will be able to offer those things right because a if they could and it made sense for their business they would have already been doing it granted competition does you know force your hand in some ways but the reality is they also have lost what 50 percent of their business now dc's completely gone and their marvel numbers are going to plummet right like Whatever it is, whatever the reduction in number from Marvel that they get from people from Penguin poaching those stores, that's all revenue that they were really depending on, Um, even more so after losing the relationship with DC. We talked about how that was going to be a huge hit for them a year ago, and now they just lost the other biggest game in town, right? And whatever, sure, some people will probably still buy from Diamond and do the bulk order and everything, but like... If Penguin can present a better offer and make the same case that they made to Marvel to all of these other publishers, like, I think Diamond's fucked, frankly. Yeah, that's a good point. I, 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 I Sorry, go ahead, Chad. Uh I was just going to say, I think Penguin is incentivized to work with Marvel because of the numbers they move. I don't know if they 
necessarily care as much about the other publishers they might have to figure something different out for themselves yeah yeah uh, you know the industry is clearly shifting and we have seen uh different publishers like vault source point press they're going through different distribution for certain ends of their business as well um so these companies are figuring out that they might need to branch out and this could be the last few years of diamond's existence yeah um but ultimately we know that we need changes in comics and i think it's so funny that the the the, the biggest concern right the the thing that that at least that stuck out to me uh that uh that jen haynes mentioned um towards the end of 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 her of her speaking was about whether or not they know how to pack comics right she said as long as they can get a handle on the trickiness of packing comics and books without damages this should be a good step forward from the industry as a whole so an industry right that has existed for you know forever right almost a hundred years <laughs> yeah is still worried about whether or not someone can pack comics without damaging them that's the biggest worry yeah what are we doing you know it's it's just it's wild but I, I it is like interesting too though when you think about like comics are like one of the most delicate things like that right because like obviously we ship magazines and books and stuff like that right but like you know i don't think people care as much right like if you buy rolling stone or whatever unless you're a collector um what does it matter what it really looks like, right? But, like, if you have a damaged book at a shop, nobody's buying that shit, you know? Like, you're going to go through and find one that doesn't look fucked up, you know? Even if you don't care, even if you're not a nut job like me, you're going to do that. Yeah. It, uh, it is important. It's just crazy that that's... Still a fucking problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah. I mean, I guess because, like, they're new in town, right? So, like, they probably didn't even think about that. They ship books. How easy is it to ship books? You put them in the soft bag and you send them. Not so easy with comics. They can get fucking demolished if it's, especially if it's only one book. You know, like fucking a, yeah, it'll be destroyed. Yeah. Just for uh, just for additional context, the last market share that Diamond uh, has published is March 2020, and at that point, Marvel made up 41 uh, percent, with DC being 27. So this is a total of 68 percent of the entirety of market share that Diamond was putting out. So it, it's a it's a huge it's more than 50 percent of yeah like, their business has output. been more than cut in half well they will still be able to serve you marvel comics as a wholesaler so yeah for for comic book stores that just don't trust this you will still have access to diamond and i think that that's from the retailer end i think that's what softens the blow is that you're not forced mm -hmm. to make a choice you actually can uh, still do things the way you have been doing them. And I like that. You know, Marvel identified, they had a year to look at how things went right and wrong with DC. Mm -hmm. And they have optimized things to, from a PR perspective, make things look a lot better. And probably behind the scenes, too, you got to figure. So yeah. um, I'm excited to see how this changes things. For us as fans, we probably won't feel it too much. Um, when do you really? The biggest difference. For me, as a fan, in terms of what DC did, was just the fact that they changed the day of their releases to Tuesdays. Right. I, 
I'm not going to the comic book store twice a week. I saw a conversation about on Twitter about this and no one does it. Everybody who commented said they don't do that. <laughs> on so, Wednesday, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you go on yeah. Wednesday and hope that the shit is still there. And if it's not, you don't buy it. Oh, well, exactly. That's the choice that we're forced to make now as fans. And it's like, it's silly, but okay, DC, DC doing DC. I think it's funny too, because you said, right, that people are acting like this is a double standard. There's that element of it. There's the fact that they also did it in the middle of a fucking global pandemic with no fucking warning. Like, this is also happening like six months from now. Like, it's not like Marvel's like, oh, tomorrow, fuck you. Like, it's like, yeah. it's, it starts in October. Like, well, yeah. to, to be fair, the, the contract for Marvel ended later than the one for dc so that's why they were under review and sure uh, but dc could have been more transparent about that is my point right sure, it's like sure. the way that marvel handled it is it they're not making it as stringent there's a huge lead time for you to get your shit together and figure it out and we've also been in the pandemic for over a year at this point or yeah a year and a little bit of change whereas like then it was fresh and it was like the comics industry is scrambling and we don't know what's gonna fucking happen and you could have just dealt a death blow to Diamond. Like, that was the narrative. That's why people were mad then, and they're not mad now. It's different. It's totally fucking different. Yeah. My, uh, go ahead. Sorry, my, my last question. Yeah, yeah. On uh, this was specifically, like, I, I wonder if this is going to be, uh, now that they are working with Penguin Random House, if <clears throat> they'll be able to expand outside of just the direct market. So if there's yeah. an opportunity there for regular for bookstores for i don't know magazine stores etc like you're we talking about like to, indie bookstores and stuff could be like a new a new channel a new place for it exactly like like if, if anything or like even even outside of that um just regular a uh, barnes and nobles right like will this now be a place to go pick up your your weeklies and if so how is that going to affect the the production as well as uh, affect their sales well who knows right but the thing is what business has the ability to make that happen more than penguin random house literally no one. right yeah yeah they're the biggest book publisher in the world the fact like if they take this over and do it right and like go and snap up contracts with all of the major comic publishers a they'll probably in the long run end up providing a much better service but b they'll also make a ton of fucking money and like they smell the blood in the water i imagine well, let's let's move forward. Let's talk about an actual comic book. Uh, so remember Life Story and how cool that was? Spider-Man Life Story. Sure do. Nope. Yeah. Uh, do you want more? Yeah. Nope. Cool. Yeah. Well, you're getting more. You're getting an oh, annual Spider-Man Life Story annual number one. But it's not starring Spider-Man. Huh? It's starring J. Jonah Jameson. So, uh, Chips Darsky, of course, the writer of Spider-Man Life Story, uh, teamed with Mark Bagley to tell a story of what if Spider-Man's life progressed naturally from his first appearance in 1962 all the way to, you know, whatever, the end of his life, right? And the beats and the, the things that happen aren't exactly the same as what we experienced in the comics because it's trying to thread a coherent narrative over the course of many decades, um, but it had the the echoes of things that we recall from the comics themselves. So um, Zdarsky had this to say about why they're choosing J. Jonah Jameson as the star of this book. He says, 
J. Jonah Jameson will do whatever. Uh, well, this is the synopsis. J. Jonah Jameson will do whatever it takes to make the world see that Spider-Man is nothing but a threat and a menace. Will the decades of his obsession bear fruit for Jonah or be his destruction? So here's what um, here's what Zdarsky had to say. Working on the original Spider-Man life story was a dream come true for me. But the problem with the miniseries was that I didn't have the room to properly tell the life story of one of my all-time favorite characters, J. Jonah Jameson. Getting the chance to revisit this universe with Mark again has been an absolute blast. Uh, so that's going to be available on August 4th. I think that this is this is cool, uh, given how important J. Jonah Jameson is to uh, Spider-Man. But I also don't know that... like. The story's been told. I don't know that I really feel like I need to go back for this mm. necessarily. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I'm kind of like torn on it because <laughs> I, I think it's one of those things that like you hear that pitch and, and I think I kind of react the same way that you do of like, okay, like I don't know that I need this. But to, to me, it's more that like if if Chip feels like he has something to say that was enough that he wanted to do this. I'm like interested in what that might be, you know? Sure. Cause he's great. And I really enjoyed life story. And I, I like, I feel like we have very similar feelings about the character. So like the idea of him wanting to put his stamp on his J Jonah, um, is something that I could see being really interesting. And mm. he sold me enough in terms of like life story was a real slam dunk for me. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of, I'm down, you know. If he's got something to tell, I'm 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 down to check it out. In uh, 2017, Chip Zdarsky did uh, an issue of Spectacular Spider-Man called uh, "My Dinner with Jonah," mm -hmm. where uh, he re where Spider-Man revealed his identity to Jonah, um, and I feel like it was received very very well. Yeah, it was. So I think I think of all the characters that Zadarsky has a story to tell for, I feel like it's J. Jonah Jameson, mm -hmm. uh, which is weird, but I mean, sweet. Like, I mean, man's got a story. Let him tell it. Like, yeah. I think yeah. I, it's cool for him, you know? And, and like Bagley's great too. So despite what I said, um, I would rather read a story from a creator that they specifically care about mm -hmm. than not. So if this is what he wants to do, then I'm here for it because yeah. that tells me that he has something to say with this book about this character. And I always want that. So yeah, same. Uh, the cover is really good, too. It's by Chip. Um, mm. Really, really great. He can do his own covers. That's so cool. It's baller. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like I miss him doing art. So it's nice when he gets to just give us a little piece of something. Uh, I could be showing my oh my camera. Uh, went off. Uh, oh, don't show that. I'm, That's I'm too far behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could be showing my ignorance here, but can you guys think of a creator who was like a very talented artist in their own right that then transitioned into a writer and was very good at that and fell back from doing art? Not, not like that. Like I'm sure there are other examples of of what you're talking about, but I feel like it's not usually they transition. Yeah. You know, like I, I we typically, yeah, they yeah. do both or like they switch off, you know, like, um, I forget we interviewed, was it, might've been CV, Philip CV. 
Um, but I feel like we were we were talking to somebody about like, oh, well, like, how do you do projects when you're not the writer versus how do you do it when you are the writer? And like, yes, you yeah. you there are examples of people that can do both and do both well. Um, but I can't think of anybody else who was like a oh, this guy's like an A tier artist. Like he could he's got a career for the rest of his life if he wants one. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to be a writer now and then sign an exclusive deal with Marvel and be like an A list writer. Yeah, the other example I can think of is like Jeff Lemire, but I think you're oh, right. Oh, that's yeah. a good he point. Did, sure. He did both, you know, on his own stuff before you know hitting the big, the big time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, well, it's few and far between in any event, and I, I just think it's so cool. Yeah, he's an incredible talent for sure. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's talk about San Diego Comic Con. <laughs> let's, let's talk go. about it john <laughs> you know it's gonna okay. be a fun story when sean doesn't get through the introduction before he laughs file <laughs> under what the hell were they thinking okay <laughs> so san diego comic-con of course is the biggest comic book convention in the world uh year in year out you know they put on a great show for us and you get the biggest announcements of the year typically in this space at that event people save their big announcements for that event and of course with the pandemic we haven't had a physical san diego comic-con in a year but this november that will change as they intend to present comic-con special edition a in person in san diego in november running through the 26th to the 28th. Anything stand out about that? Black Friday. Oh, huh. oh yeah. right. I, I genuinely didn't consider that part. Yeah. I forgot about that part. <laughs> no, it's Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving weekend. No, it's Black Friday weekend. Sure. It's insane. Is we what it, it is. It's the... So I know that this entire segment is going to very quickly devolve into us just dunking on them, but it's like the fact that they would decide to throw this on a holiday weekend on its face, right, is already like a what the fuck were you thinking? But no less, the year after a pandemic where no one has been able to see their... This is probably the one year anybody (laughs) wants to go home for Thanksgiving dinner. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) Bro, I'm trying to carve a turkey with cap. Let me me live my life. Not no fucking nerds. <laughs> so my girlfriend presented me a level 100 master brain theory which was that maybe they did this because they want to keep the amount of people there low yeah yep. oh yep. shit they want to keep yeah. people that's out. fucking yeah. brilliant rebecca <laughs> that's yeah you're probably right <laughs> I was astounded that she said that, but then I thought about it. I was like, wait, that actually makes sense. Some galaxy brain shit. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, They haven't announced pricing or anything like that, or how many people are going to be allowed inside. We talked about whether or not we would see conventions this year in a physical space. I framed our year end question as it relates to that in a specific way about New York comic con. So mm-hmm. that means that we're all absolved if we said that there would be no convention this year, uh, <laughs> because obviously in San Diego, they're crazy, right? Um, Read pop is like, nah, <laughs> not yet. 
over they, here they in New York, we got a little bit of sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they haven't made their announcement yet, so that's still in the air. Do you guys think that this is something that we should be doing this soon, or do you feel like it's too early? Nope, too I, early. I think I think we had the conversation where once once people are vaccinated, depending on how it sort of uh, how things sort of shake out, where we are in the timeline, that the fall would make sense. It might be a little. Uh, it might be a little overzealous, but I think if if the if it works in a smaller capacity and they attempt to maintain whatever amount of safety, I don't think that it's not. I, I don't think it's crazy. I agree with you. Like I don't. I don't think it's like insane to the point of me being like, "How could you do this? This is so irresponsible." Blah blah blah. But like, I do think it's still too early. Like, and the fact that you're gonna like truncate it to a three day weekend over Thanksgiving speaks to the fact that it probably was too soon. Um, they're doing. Uh, Liverpool is having their big convention this year. I didn't. I forgot to look up the dates, but. Uh, the other big convention in the UK, uh, uh, Thought Bubble, is going to be the 11th to the 13th. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And and that convention is known for taking over a whole town and jam-packing everyone inside a small space. And that's in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to read... Uh, some comments from the spokesperson for Comic-Con, David Glanzer. He said, while we have been able to pivot from in-person gatherings to limited online events, the loss of revenue has had an acute impact on the organization as it has with many small businesses, necessitating reduced work schedules and reduction in pay for employees, among other issues. Hopefully, this event will shore up our financial reserves and mark a slow return to larger in-person gatherings in 2022. Now, cool, but why would you do this on a weekend where people are not inclined to go? Not to mention that that's like also, again, right? Assuming that by the fall, we've reached some level of a return to normalcy. That is also like the biggest travel weekend in America is yeah, Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. So it's oh. going to be insanely fucking expensive to travel around this, uh, as well as a bitch. So it sounds terrible. Frankly, it might truly be a San Diego comic con. <laughs> I, I also wonder like how many people are going to want to go, like not even just attendees, but like talent. Yeah, you know, like it's tough, but I think I uh, I don't know, man. I think like you know, we just talked about Chip Zdarsky. Like he doesn't need to be there, but you know, someone like you know, we just had Dirk Manning on the show. Like he might need to be there. Yeah, you know, um, some of our frequent guests, Dan Doherty, might need to be like. Th- there's maybe maybe not dan cuz like he makes his money uh in other ways but you know i'm trying to bring up the fact that middle to lower than middle tier creators who don't necessarily have guaranteed work for one of the big two yeah. mm-hmm. might need this back really the big badly. source of their income yeah is, is right. a wave from- a wave blue world is a great example of like the mm. the kind of company yeah. that wants to get that connection out there yeah yeah and, and if, they're, if they're vaccinated then then yeah yeah, I guess my question in regards to that would be like if they're 
if they're that small though, and this is such, this would be such a big deal. Would they do as well this year anyway? No, right. It's, it's less days and less people. And you have to consider like, what is the cost going to be? For vendors, like, is it are Plus, they going to charge the same yeah. amount that they did? Is it going to be cheaper? Like, those are all Plus things we don't we don't know what the other big media companies are going to do, right? Yeah. Right? Because so, like, well, yeah, if Marvel and DC don't go, does that limit how ma- how many people even further want to go? Right? Like, yeah. if it is just smaller publishers, and, and 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 no offense intended, but like you know, not A tier, S tier creators that people want to go get autographs from or whatever, or movie stars and all these other reasons that people go to San Diego Comic-Con specifically that have nothing to fucking do with comics. Like, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out there as the last point I have. Um, we have an example of something like this being done where New York Comic-Con for maybe two or three years had something called NYCC special edition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was something that they ran uh, maybe in May, somewhere around there, maybe March. Um, and it was a smaller event, more focused on comics. It was a reaction to a lot of the complaints that the event at that time was becoming more focused on, you know, different media, Just different culture. Kind. Right. Um, and it was a more focused event and it still had big names creator wise. It just didn't have the the bloat that we associate Comic-Con with these days. And mm-hmm. It was clearly, well, I shouldn't say that. They stopped running it. We don't exactly know why. I assume it's because it wasn't as successful. But if this is a trial run, and if this is something that they're doing to see, kind of gauge in a live situation where people are at with their comfortability Mm -hmm. as to whether or not it makes sense to have the traditional event return in 2022, I got to say, I do think this is a smart play. In the sense that I'm not not about the t- the date, but in the sense that this will allow them to know what people are willing to do, mm-hmm. and they don't need the big pop culture giants there because they need an infusion of cash now. Yeah, and this will this can do that for them. To to be fair too, I guess to play devil's advocate, um, there's a culture of going to conventions, right? Like there are people who are hungry to go to conventions, and I'm sure are eager to get back to it in the same way we talked about being eager to be able to sit in a fucking movie theater, you know? So like, yeah, there's probably people who will go just to go. So yeah, like like I'm definitely more eager to go to a convention than a theater, just because for me the the big thing is connecting with the creators, mm-hmm. right? I just love sense. conventions. Like I, 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 I'm a person who I vibe off of that kind of environment. I love to go and see my friends, hook up with you guys, like go do interviews, buy shit. Like I love conventions. I'm super eager for them to come back. You know, um, I just don't want anyone to die over it. <laughs> Yo, we'll chill at the beach. Then we'll go visit Kale. It's gonna be chill. Y'all assholes ain't coming here until at least 2023. So we're going to Thought Bubble? <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not going to a convention until 2022, late 2022, mind you. <laughs> and then I'm not seeing anybody from overseas until t- at least 2023. Could all be dead by then. Good. Well, <laughs> hold on. At, we have at least until summer to die. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Gotcha. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, oh no, we have a little bit longer. Shin Kamen Rider's been announced for 
September of, course. of 2023. Of course. That's so, right. Uh, I can at least get you September 31st. Okay. So we'll come see you before a, that. <clears throat> no, after that. <sighs> yeah, come after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll be in after. a better mood then, sure. Well, we'll, well be dead. We, we won't be seeing Kale until 2023, but we won't be seeing Ava DuVernay's New Gods at all uh, because both New Gods and James Wan's The Trench are not moving forward at Warner Brothers, which of course means that they are canceled. Uh, so these, of course, were two movies that were essentially, I think, spinoffs is fair to say, of Justice League and Aquaman, respectively. Of course, uh, the Justice League movie by uh, Joss Whedon introduced the concept very loosely, very vaguely of the new gods through Steppenwolf and through the through Darkseid and all that jazz. Um, and Ava DuVernay and Tom King were going to take that and run with it for a full-fledged New Gods film. That is now not happening. Uh, Warner Brothers says, as it relates to those projects, the following. As part of our DC slate, some legacy development titles, including New Gods and The Trench, will not be moving forward. We thank our partners Ava DuVernay, Tom King, James Wan, and Peter Safran for their time and collaboration during this process and look forward to our continued partnership with them on other DC stories. The project will remain in their skillful, skillful hands if they were to ever move forward in the future. So I uh, guess Tom King got his editors fired, huh? <laughs> um Tom king strikes again <laughs> hey uh uh ava duvernay said that she liked tom so <laughs> <laughs> well, well that makes it okay <laughs> um yeah this sucks i mean like obviously um the dc movies have been a, a huge mixed bag right but i think you know as much as i didn't uh like joker what I did think was promising about Joker and the fact that it um, that it did really well at the box office and, and critically was that that could open us up to more of those kinds of movies from DC where they are like kind of more of like, a, you know, an Elseworlds, a one off, uh, you know, it doesn't need to connect to anything else. It can just be a, uh, you know, director driven auteur led kind of project. Um, both of these properties and and both of these directors are um, ones that I thought would be interesting to see, right? Like James Wan, obviously super famous for his horror chops and like The Trench was going to be like a horror movie inspired anyway, you know? And like that's a super different flavor and that would be cool. And getting to see somebody who is like, you know... And Ava DuVernay is also, a, you know, an award-winning filmmaker, right? And, like, getting to see somebody that has chops and that has done the, like, serious art house stuff, getting to play in a, you know, a, a huge IP pool is exciting and fun. And, like, it's cool when you get that kind of thing because oftentimes, you know, IP holders are a little precious and are not going to be as willing to let somebody just go wild with something, you know? Um, and that was what was exciting about these projects. Like, I don't really, frankly, care about the trench or the fourth world stuff that much. I'm not that familiar with it. Um, so, you know, like losing these is not necessarily something that I was like itching for. It was more the talent attached to it and like the potential for it to be something fresh and unique. 
um, that is disappointing. It's a real lost opportunity, it seems. Damn, dude. The trench was one I was definitely looking forward to. I'm, uh, I really like Aquaman. Um, just generally as a character in the movie, I thought did it uh, was, was fun. Um, and then James Wan coming off of Swamp Thing was just like awesome stuff. So this in particular for me, I was like, okay, this is like the perfect, this is like the perfect secondary Marco movie because the primary would be a Swamp Thing movie. But the, this would be like the, that next continuation of James Wan in the DC world. And, uh, I, I was hoping this would be even closer to like an Aquaman 2, which is obviously it's going to be its own thing. But I was hoping that we would get something along those lines. Um, but in that, that horror flavor. So yeah, I'm bummed to kind of see that the trench isn't going to be a thing. Cause it was definitely the one that I was looking out for in particular. And I think for new gods, Phil was pretty excited about it. He got a little nervous with the Tom King connection, but just generally he's always hot for that kind of stuff. I I have to say guys, I don't, I I'm shocked that you're shocked that these movies aren't happening. I'm not shocked. Um, just bummed. I I don't think that the trench was ever going to come out. Actually, what? Um, yeah, I don't think I don't I don't think that that concept has legs. Um, I think the trench idea, the concept of it, is perfectly good within the context of Aquaman having sure. to deal with that. But just as a general thing, like, do I really want to see a DC movie about monsters attacking people or whatever? Nah, not really. <laughs> um, and I I I I kind of feel like they gave that to James Wan to keep him in the loop with them more than anything. Mm. Uh, when it comes to new gods, I also always thought that was a little bit weird because if the movie's going to start dark side, but dark side is also the you know primary antagonist of the DC universe. Do you really want to, uh, you know, introduce him here in this type of context where, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that could happen to kind of take some of the the shine off the character before he even has his big debut. Um, I just think it's I think it's weird that these movies were ever announced, quite frankly. But um, there have been a lot of people blaming the Snyder cut for these movies being canceled, saying that because the Snyder cut introduced us to Darkseid, that uh DC felt like okay, we already did the dark side thing. We're not gonna we're not gonna put him out there again uh, in a big way. That's not true. That is not true, and that doesn't even make any sense. Um, I don't think that Warner Brothers cares one bit about what happened in the Snyder Cut as it relates to no. what they can and cannot do with other characters. Um, they said that they're they're pivoting. And the pivot is with the Flash. They are using the Flash movie to uh, clarify what's going to be the future of DC and the Justice League. They want to use it to kind of flashpoint their universe. But guess what? That's always been the plan. Right. We've been talking about that for like four years. So yeah. what in what world is this new information? This is not new. So obviously... A movie like New Gods doesn't fit into that because they want to reboot everything. I mean, the the real answer, Sean, is that motherfuckers are fake fans. You know, they want to get on Twitter and and stomp around and act like they're big dogs. So look, you know, when you got a podcast for four years and you know your shit, maybe then you can talk. But you know, bro, bro hashtag air cut. Okay, let's go. Oh my god, I'm real talk. I'd be way more interested in that. Like, <laughs> way more interested in that than the Snyder <laughs> cut. Uh, because like. 
they called David Ayer the director on that movie, but they fucking totally changed it after he was done. Like I would be, I don't know, whatever. I I don't even like the. I wasn't excited about Suicide Squad at all, but um, knowing what he wanted versus what we got, it's just like that's so it's so wild that they did that to him. I know, and you know whatever whatever mileage your mileage may vary, I guess, as far as these types of movements, but boy, you talk about um, screwing a creator over, right? Like, yeah, that's not cool. But um, in any event, Ava DuVernay and Tom King both spoke out about this. uh, And Ava said, Tom, I loved writing new gods with you. I'm upset that the saga of Barda, Scott, Ranny, high father and the furies ends this way. Diving into Kirby's fourth world was the adventure of a lifetime. That can't be taken away. Thank you for your friendship. And remember, hashtag Darkside is. Tom King said, Ava, I'm so incredibly proud of the work we did. It was such a joy seeing you bring your passion and talent to these characters. I really felt Kirby's legacy was being honored here, and I wish we could have kept going. That one Barda Scott scene where dot, 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 damn. I really love that she hashtagged Darkside is. That's fucking great. <laughs> so funny. That's like... <laughs> amazing um so yeah i i think this sucks in a sense the new gods movie probably could have been something cool but at the end of the day dc doesn't have their house in order and you know as much as i agree with you pete that um there is an opportunity to tell uh unique stories uh from different creators and stuff like that i think when your house is not in order you really need to settle things before you do that and that's fair to say that's my biggest uh, takeaway here because then this happens. Of course, the movies that are the most different are the first ones cut out of the equation. It's a bummer that these didn't manage to squeak out before they did that, you know? Because, like, Joker is, like, a movie that it's, like, you don't make that movie if your house is in order, you know? No. Um, And I wish that they had kind of shuffled these out the gates before they just slashed everything down. But, you know, it is what it is. I don't know. We'll see how Eternals does, and they'll need, uh, you know, something to to combat that. And we'll see, you know, here in uh, ten minutes when they, you know, change a, a new change their mind and it comes back on the slate. That's a good point because I feel like new new gods and Eternals are, you know, probably conceptually similar. Yeah. Uh, so maybe they resurrect this down the line if Eternals does well. But I can't see Ava DuVernay specifically. Being like, yeah, I'll come back in three years to do this. Like, no, she's gonna move on and make a lot yeah. of money doing something else. She is working with them on that CW show. Yeah, yeah. she's involved with Naomi, yeah. so she's not leaving Warner Brothers. But you gotta figure this is a this is not something she's happy about. No, yeah, I I think the only way I could see that not being the case is if like you know the back and forth with her and Tom and everything is emblematic of the fact that they really loved what they were doing and like. Yeah. You know, because that happens sometimes, right? Like things sit in development hell and then they finally get made and you're like, thank God, I've been trying to do this forever. Or I've, I, it's been in the back of my head and I can finally do it, you know? Like I think about yeah. like Ryan Reynolds wanting to be Deadpool for like 10 years before he actually got the movie he wanted to make. Yeah, that's the thing. The her Their statements feel so personal. And, mm-hmm. and while they were speaking to each other, you know, if it were... To me, anyway, if it were something that was left on really bad terms, it and I, they wouldn't have said anything, or it would have been very bland. Well, uh, I guess 
my only thought there is that if this were a development hell situation, that probably would have been better. That's why I feel like this is a cancellation, no matter what the verbiage they're using. Yeah. Because when you don't, when you're not putting the movie out, you just don't put it out. You know, you don't necessarily say, "Hey, we're not putting this out." Um, if it's going to come out eventually, if you yeah. actually believe it's going to be done down the road, you don't say anything, or you say we're still working on it, and you leave it at that. How long have they been stringing us along with uh, the Flash and Supergirl and Batgirl? They've been saying they're coming out for like six years, and we've not seen hide nor hair. Uh, but they refuse to cancel them because they want those projects done. New Gods is clearly not factored into the future plans on any level. Yeah, not a priority by any stretch. Yeah. So uh, we have to mourn the things that we now know we have lost as it relates to DC and hope for a better future. And Flash, again, is the linchpin of all that. That's what they're hanging their hat on as it relates to um the future of the DC universe. We'll see if that movie ever gets made. Just give me my old Michael Keaton Batman. That's all I care about. Yikes, Ezra Miller. He, he said that he's not attached to it. No. Yeah. Yeah. He did? You guys, yeah. 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 You guys whiffed on that one. Fuck. He said <laughs> that he, because of the pandemic, he's picking his projects very differently. He doesn't want to do any projects that could end up with him dead. You know, phys- projects that are going to have physicality attached sure. to them, you know, things like that. He's just not trying to do that right now. Yeah. Um, and he's got a lot of other things on his plate. So he said, I'm not actually like as attached as you guys think I am. That sucks. What? Uh, Whatever. That movie's not even, they haven't yep. even started working on it yet, right? Like, <laughs> who fucking cares? I mean, that's been in development now. Yeah. Four years from now, when they finally start it, maybe he'll be more open to it again. <laughs> or maybe we'll all be dead. Fuck. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, DC increasing the prices of their comics again, 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 again. And we're going to talk about how the price of comics is out of control, out of control, Sean, in our main topic. Main topic. (laughs) So last week, main topic. (laughs) bleeding cool reported that the price of batman and some other books including joker were were going to be going up uh so we know of course that they did provide these backups that are you know 40 we're getting 40 pages total uh for five bucks right um so fine great and then you could get the cardstock cover which would make the book 5.99 so if you want to spend the extra dollar on a nicer cover have at it but when we look at the solicitations for june's books we see that there was a flat price increase of a dollar for not only batman 109 but joker 3 and 4 which were now 5.99 for the exact same 40 page book with the exact same regular cover, not even cardstock, just the regular cover. Uh, we also learned that we were going to see uh, uh, Superman Red and Blue go up to $5.99 for 40 pages, whereas it was 48 pages before. And Wonder Woman, black, white, and gold was going to go up in price as well. What? Yeah. 
Um, and then and then also Batman and Fortnite one through six are five or four ninety nine as well for thirty two pages. So that's just outrageous. Um, now I was outraged when I saw that. Completely hot because we've talked about the increase of of the price of comics quite a bit and how you know there is a point where you're just pricing people out of the game entirely yeah and dc seems to know no end to their ability to just jack the price up of comics and marco uh rightfully taking nothing away from you justified the price increase with the backups by saying it's 40 pages so at least you are getting more story you can kind of justify the increase in price, yeah they're right, charging Marco? you more money for more product right like well it, it comes off to the same like the the amount of pages per whatever it comes yeah. out to the same like the price per page essentially is the same so right. for to rationalize it right yeah you had done the math and you found that to be true so okay fine you know that okay but Fair when enough. you say you're just gonna raise the price of you know, Batman 109 with no change to content whatsoever. It's just a dollar more for no reason. Uh, you know, what, where, where, where's the end of this, right? So, boom, that's on March 20th. Now, uh, March 31st, 11 days later, DC puts out, puts out a statement about this because there was outrage. A lot of people spoke out about how frustrated they were by the fact that now a book that they just one month ago, Joker number one, right, was $4.99. A book you just bought for $4.99 will now be $5.99. Joker number two also got increased in price. So it wasn't even just three and four. Number two was also announced as going up in price for the exact same content. Uh, So DC told retailers this Batman 109 main cover was solicited as 599, but should be 499. The cover distributed has the correct price. Batman 109 variant covers were solicited with the incorrect price on the covers. The Joker main covers are all cardstock and priced at 599. Same with all variants. So you might say, well, maybe Bleeding Cool got it wrong, or maybe there really was a uh, an error on on the on the on the, the books. Uh, this is not correct because it, on the retailer end, these books were solicited to the retailers as being that price. When they bought the books from DC, they were that price. They're just retroactively lowering. And mm. correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, uh, in the, the one Bleeding Cool article, it looks like we have pictures of the solicitations. Yeah. So. Absolutely. I, as someone who regularly uh, rags on Bleeding Cool, I completely forgot this. Or, like, I know you said it at the top. This uh, article came from Bleeding Cool. This all just sounds like bullshit DC polls regularly. Yeah. So I didn't even question it. Yeah, well, um, the reason I I said that is because there were even comments ragging on Bleeding Cool for getting it wrong again. Another Shazam, even though they were right there to a degree as well. Um, 
So Rich Johnston took to the comments to uh, speak to that. And he said, not true. It was all the way through the ordering process for comic book stores. And they reverted previous listings to match until they reverted them back again. (laughs) So we know, we know that they wanted to raise the price of Batman to $6. And Joker is going to be $6 and you have no choice but to buy the $6 version because they're all card stock now. That's bad. Here's what's worse. Oh, the, the person who was going to be most affected by Marco, this. Marco, no! <laughs> Unbelievable. We just had a break. Don't know where Joker. Oh, no, he's back. He's back. Don't worry. Okay. Marco, you got to hear this. Oh, yeah. No. Do you need your box yet? <laughs> Let me know. I got, I got it right here for you. I got it right for you. Don't worry about it. Not Continue, yet. Sorry. I'm going to give you guys sorry. a chance to speak before I... Okay. Before I uh, get on my soapbox. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Um, this price change is reflected in digital as well. Oh, yo. So just so Joker, Joker, right? That they're charging six dollars for, for the- because of a cardstock cover is six dollars digitally, even though you can't experience the cover. Fuck right off with what, that. DC. What are we buying? Are we buying an NFT with it? <laughs> dude that is so gross so we're we're done with joker right we're definitely not doing that book anymore not for reviews six fucking dollars not dude. at that price please no damn like, like but and what's been frustrating is also the fact that they've stated multiple times that this is now going to be a digital first focused distribution front right like right. moving forward it's going to be they're gonna the priorities they're gonna be for that digital piece, but to charge for a non-existent card stock uh is asinine. And like and they're charging ass a ten. <laughs> and like right. I don't know, that like was good. I'll, that was good. I'll, I'll defend the the card stock thing. Like if you want to offer that as a as an option, that's fine. But to like be like, oh, well, we need to have price parity with digital and, and in store, or we're fucking our retail partners. It's like, fucking miss me with that, dude. Like, you're charging premium product price for an identical piece of fucking material. That's insane. That is such a anti consumer move, especially, again, if you're a digital consumer, like who they say they want to cater to. Like, fuck you, man. You're going to make me pay $6 for something I can't even appreciate. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, you'll be the person that knows this. When we started this show, didn't they have a big movement where $3.99 was the the line line? at $3.99? What? Well, holding the line, it was holding the line at $2.99. Oh, okay. That was the new 52. Oh, God, even worse. Yeah, that that, that was the new 52. But Kale's also right. That when we started this show, I think it was DC. I want to say DCU was the new hotness, Probably. and they were saying that they were going to keep their books at three ninety nine, and that some books that they were going to increase the price for some books, but that they would also have two ninety nine options as well. It was that iTunes thing where they they yeah. tried to tell you like, oh, some of our songs will be sixty nine cents, yeah, and some of them will be you know ridiculous. Um, but yes, you're right. They, they were saying that $3.99 was the price point when we started this show for their A-tier books. Yeah, yeah. Now, for me, right, I'm all about digital and physical costing the same because of how that could impact stores. But the fact that you're forcing the cardstock 
on consumers. And then you're telling digital people who can't experience that, that they have to pay the same price is so bonkers. Who approves these? We're things? passing the losses on to you. <laughs> it's like Marco, get the box ready. Marco, you gotta get oh, the box yeah. ready. You good? <laughs> you know what? It's the box. Step on up. Step on up, Shawnee. It is time. It is time because Set. I'm I'm sick and tired of DC Comics. Sick and tired. DC Comics over the last year has only made decisions as it relates to their direct market comics that are anti-consumer and that are a slap in the face to people who have been buying comics faithfully from them for decades. Fuck it, man. Are we making more money? No, there's not more money in our pockets unless you count the stimulus. But you're I didn't charging get that us. Yet. <laughs> How am I supposed to afford Joker 6? I didn't get my stimmy check yet. Let me put this in perspective for you. (laughs) Comic books from DC, at least as it relates to Batman and Joker, are double the price of what they were in 2011. Double the price. For what? What are you getting? The name Joker on the book? I'm sorry. Is James Tinian worth $6 now? I have no problem. Nothing but love and respect to that man. He's a fantastic creator. Are we supposed to pay $6 now for that story? A single issue of a comic is not worth $6. What's the difference? I'm sorry, Pete. I'm on my soapbox. What's the difference between Joker number one and Joker number two? $1. That's the difference. That's the only material difference. And DC cannot convince me that it's worth it. But let me tell you what happens. Because the same people who are going to sit around and not complain about this and are going to still buy the book are going to be mad that people pirate books. But this is what causes that. This is exactly what causes that. I'm not buying Joker number two. I'm not doing that. And I'm never going to buy a book again from DC that costs $5.99. You talk about drawing the line, DC. I'm drawing, I'm drawing the line. I have drawn the line. I will never buy a DC comic book that costs $5.99. In fact, I'm gonna start scaling back my purchases from DC in general. It's over. I'm not I, I'm not made of money. And it feels like they don't want you to buy their books anymore because it keeps getting more and more expensive and i'm through with it dc comics is publishing comics for people who have expendable cash and they're hurting this this industry meanwhile in the manga space they're thriving what's the difference it's cheap young people young kids don't read comic books if, you're, if your dad or your mom or your parent gives you $3 and says, go pick up a comic what, you know, in the comic book store, what can you buy? Nothing. Nothing. If they give you $4 and say, go pick up a comic, what can you buy from the DC aisle? Nothing. Nothing at all. And where does it end? And you brought up the manga thing. Compare that to uh, the digital access to 
what is it? What the jo- Shonen Jump. Jump? That's four months of unlimited access to their library. Two two bucks is is a year's is a monthly subscription. Okay, yeah. so two months. I thought it was a dollar, but either way, that's yeah. <laughs> what's the what's the base? Peacock, right? Okay, Peacock is a subscription service for you know television and movies and things like that. It has a free version, and it has a five dollar pay version, and then for everything unlimited, no ads. Ten dollars. Joker number two is six dollars. That's a dollar less than it is for a month of Disney Plus, too, which has yeah. like more media offerings than any other streaming service. You could be watching Falcon Winter Soldier for that for a month. I am so livid about this. I never thought I would be at this point, but I might just drop DC altogether. Let me ask you this, too. What do you think this means for trades? You think trades are going to go up? Because otherwise, what is the value prop? Why would you pick up single issues? Right? Because they're dumb. If every issue of Joker is $6 and Joker's what? Six issues? Uh, I don't even know. Say for the sake of argument, it's six issues. That's like 40 bucks after tax. Um, And what? The trade's going to be $20? Why the fuck would you buy that? Yeah. Why the fuck would you go to the comic book store and buy that for six dollars? Because you're a chump, or because you're a collector, which well, is all. And, uh, and I say this as a collector, that means you're a chump. And I say this as a chump. <laughs> well, and and their argument is, and and even to a degree, I'm sure there are creators who are going to be like, well, you're, you know, you have to support your creators and your, you know, uh, the the business behind. You know, the, the people who make the comics as opposed to the company. Yeah, but I mean, come on. Like, that's not how this works, right? Like, we all have a yeah. limited amount of resources. And at the end of the day, and, and I've said this for years, right? Like, I love comic books. Comic books are absolutely a thing for people with expendable income. They are absolutely, like, enjoying comics, like, comes from a place of privilege. You have to have a money to burn to like comics and actually follow them and support them the way that you're, you know, quote unquote, supposed to. Um, well, and I don't think it's unreasonable to say it's not my job to pay a creator. Right. It's the company's job to pay a creator. Right. God, you're so, you're so right. And you know what? James Tinian, right, has plenty of other books that I can support. I can go buy something that's killing the children. I can go buy Department of Truth. I can go buy a ton of other books. By the way, I already do because I like him a lot. And the biggest piece of me buying Joker number one was his name on it. Right. Because he's that good. But DC ain't that good. Not $6 good. I'm sorry. I don't give a shit about the Joker for $6. I'll put the movie on. Yeah. yeah. Fuck it. I'll put the movie on. <laughs> or or again, book out. watch anything else. Read anything else. Play a yeah. video game. Like, that. Like it, it's insane. It's It's frankly insane that, like, they think they can get away with charging that for a single issue comic that you can read in 20 minutes. You know, like that's that's it, it is the worst value proposition in entertainment to buy a single issue of a comic book. And I say and that as someone who loves comic books. Somebody and in the Discord mentioned that they're just going to wait the three months and pick it up on the DC Infinite app. And that's it. And that's the monthly fee. I think it's like maybe seven bucks right now. Right. Um. And then that's it. And then you get access to it. Sure, you wait, but who cares? If you're if you're gonna wait for this book anyway, 
you're probably going to be a trade waiter or if you're if you're just going to wait to hear like how it how it is after the fact it doesn't matter and right like, it, it's worth it most people don't consume media that way right yeah. like like cuz i i think about this a lot right like i feel like us and people like us like we're in a bubble you know like we have a podcast so we watch the shit the day it comes out we read things the day that, you know, like we're on top of it. Most people don't consume media like that. They don't give a shit if it's the day it comes out or six months later. It's it, if I liked it, I liked it. And that's enough. But the reality is, do. what's that? I think comic book fans do. And and maybe that's fair. But I also think that with this model, you, you are the perfect example, Sean. You're not going to do that. Why the fuck would you? So well, what you actually, could be doing is taking the core base of your fan base and pricing a bunch of them out. And actually, to that point uh, about them reading it day and date, we said earlier when we were talking about them moving the the to Tuesday. Uh, the delivery date to Tuesday, we said most comic book fans don't even go on Tuesday. So actually, they do wait. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um and it's getting easier and easier. Like, does DC have heat right now? No. Is 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 Joker just the, the hottest book in comics where it's like you gotta pay these six dollars? No, no. And, and don't get me wrong. If you're telling me okay, it's 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 you know it's an event, I'm not happy about it because DC events were <laughs> not six dollars ten years ago. But okay, mm. fine, you got me. It's an event, and they were a lot better ten years ago. But but this is not this is not anything. This is an this is a, a, a an ongoing. It, it, come on, what are we doing? And and you know what? You price people out, and it's getting harder and harder. I'm not saying me. I'm saying in general, it's getting harder and harder to justify going to the store or even opening your app on your phone or whatever it is and paying plunking six dollars down for a book when you could read it for free. Nope. We don't do it because we want to support. We want to be good people. We want to, you know, whatever, not pirate. But like, if you're just going to spit in my face with that price point, then I might as well. Because clearly you don't care. You're not getting my money anyway. And not for nothing. This also comes off the heels of the knowledge that we know that they're paying people less now. So they're charging more for stuff that they are absolutely definitively spending less to create. It's fucking bullshit, man. And, and again, like, not for nothing, again, most people, and, and again, I, I know comics readers like this, who don't know creators like that, who don't care about creators like that, and it's not their responsibility to, to pay their salaries, it's DC's. And if DC is going to make it so that the product is unattractive, then I, my, my point to that would be like, those creators shouldn't work at DC. Because it's not a fucking good prop for them. Their book's not going to get attention. It's not going to get heat because people aren't going to want to fucking buy it. And, like, that sucks. It's bullshit. But, like, I also don't blame, you know, like, I, like anecdotally, right? I have a friend from college who I know is a comics reader. She's read comics her whole life. And she started pirating DC books because she can't afford them anymore. And that's that's her financial reality. And... That's a lot of people's financial reality, especially right now when unemployment is still high. Like people are still struggling to come back. And you're telling me that you're going to take this already way overpriced, expensive hobby and almost double the price, right? They've increased it by 30%. That's fucked up. 
at what point do we as comic book fans say no now at what point do we yeah because it's over like this is it there there will come a time for me where i will no longer buy comics if this is the trend it's over i think i said on this podcast um a couple of years back we had a similar conversation and maybe it was even sooner more recent than that and i said 499 was where i draw the line that's mm. that's it that's my line in the sand. If the if the general amount of money that a single issue costs becomes five ninety nine, I'm out. It's too much. Even four ninety nine is insane. For the value of five dollars, yeah. five dollars goes a long way in a lot of other places. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm out. This is my last stand. DC has to make a change. And, and and like and frankly, it's not cuz I want to be. It's like I literally can't afford more than that. I like I you know, like I I don't have that much expendable income at the end of the day and and I have a good job and make decent money. Like but it, like I only have so much and it can only go so far. And what do you only read comics? You know, like right. there's other things to buy and there's other like you're not the only game in town. You're not even the only comic book publisher. This isn't even the only place I can read James Tinian comics. At least if you said, hey, we have uh, uh, James Tinian exclusively, so you, we're going to charge six bucks because you can't read them anywhere else, uh, like Tom King. Okay, fine. I can't get him anywhere else, so maybe. But it's not even that. Like, no. this is so... Mm. And like, Man, and wow. for me, like as somebody who really only got into DC because of what we do, and because I'm in this space, like I don't really care about DC that much. Like I like their characters. I like I've liked a lot of DC books. I don't have, fuck with DC in that way, right? Like they're not as close to my heart as like Marvel or Image, right? So like it is easy for me to be like, okay, I won't read Batman. I won't read Superman. I didn't for most of my life. Okay, that sucks, but whatever. And like that's dangerous that's dangerous if you are going to be alienating people like us like sean you are a every wednesday comic shop day warrior yeah and they're turning you off all right good luck with that Uh, i I got the app so i'm chilling (laughs) read all your shit six months late yeah (laughs) three months they bumped that up all right yeah you're right there you go I'm passionate about DC Comics. I became a, a big fan of DC Comics around the New 52, slightly before Grant Morrison's Batman enchanted me, and it changed my life, and it created in me the kind of fan that is going to support and wants to support DC Comics and get these stories for the rest of my life. That's what I want. That's what I want for my life, right? And it's painful, in a sense, to know that DC cares more, far more about making maximum profit than they do about telling great stories and making sure that as many people can get these in their hands as possible. And I understand financial realities of business businesses are what they are, but you can't tell me that $6 is what we have to charge. We have to do it. Otherwise, we just cannot publish this book because you published the first one at $4.99 and it was fine. What changed? So I don't believe it. Exactly. It's unfortunate that this is the road we're going down. I really, really think that the comics industry has to look itself in the mirror and make a decision about what it wants to be because you can't justify this price point. You can't hardly even justify $4.99. And 
there has to be a line. There just does. And if we don't say no, there may not be a comics industry to turn to 10 years from now. If people just stop buying books in the next pandemic. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, and, you know, like we've talked about it plenty with this stuff. It's like a lot of it comes down to socioeconomic stuff that is beyond the realm of the comics industry, right? Like people's wages are not going up. We cannot afford this kind of shit. We do, most people do not have the money, the bandwidth for luxury items. And comics were already a luxury item and they're becoming more and more and more of one. And that is at their own detriment and to their own peril, I think. I think the the final lesson to be learned here was that where Daphne Byrne was the comic that saved the industry, Joker number two is the one that destroyed it. Poet, poetic. Just just wants to watch the world burn. The last thing that I want to point out is that Victor Dandridge, who was a good friend of the show, uh, was doing a basically a a video that he put up on Facebook where he was discussing the business realities as the president of Vantage in-house. That's his imprint. He's the the CEO uh, of that publication. He was discussing the ways in which they've had to maneuver in order to get their books out there. He talked about how to get the Samaritan out there. It's the 10 year anniversary of that book uh, to get the Samaritan out there in, in the hands of people and to make it financially viable for him to do that, he did have to charge $4.99, 10 years ago. And he talked about how, you know, he's not able to order the amount of, of, of copies, you know, to get enough copies made to see, um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the for? price Return. break you would need. Right, exactly. Yeah. To charge less. That's unfortunately not the reality for him. There's no way for him to offset those costs. He's an individual person trying to get this done off the muscle. He talked about how Marvel and DC and to, you know, to a lesser degree, all these different companies don't have that problem. And so really what they do is they actually charge quite a bit more than what they have to charge to make it financially viable for them because they want to maximize their profits. There's a certain amount of money they feel they need to make in order to just be happy. And they charge that. They put that on us. They don't put it on, let's sell more copies. Let's do more legwork. They just charge more to get the amount of money that they want to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's something that he spoke about. I saw that the other day and a light bulb went off for me. At the end of the day, DC and yes, Marvel are greedy. The days of the focus being on great stories have passed. And if you're a comics lover right now today and you still buy big two books and you're still plunking down your $4.99 or even your $5.99 for these comics, even though they're not as good as they've ever been, quite frankly, in my opinion, I don't personally feel like I'm getting as much out of these stories as I was 10 years ago. Um, you have to ask yourself, do you want to support this greed? Is that what you want to support? It's not about the creators. These creators are everything. Without them, there is no Marvel or DC. Screw that. 
Who cares about that? The creators are everything. So you can get a James Tinian book. You can get a Chip Zdarsky book. You can get a Grant Morrison book. All these creators are out there. Scott Snyder book, Grant Morrison book. You don't need to buy them from DC or Marvel to get those creator stories. So you need to really be asking yourself, do you want to support the greed with your money? Is that what you want to stand by? And I've asked myself that and the answer is no. So there's a line for me and this is it. This, This is the last price increase that I will still be a fan of comics for. Superhero comics. So, yeah, thank you. Superhero comics. Absolutely. I don't need it. I don't need it. We've got movies coming out until the end of my lifetime. We've got TV shows. We've got animated. We've got everything. I don't have to read comics. I do it because I love it and I'm passionate about it. But that can change if the if they don't. If they're not passionate about telling great stories at a good price, I don't have to read it. No. Yeah. And, and like you said, right, like there's no shortage of entertainment right now. There are plenty of other mediums or publishers or whatever that are putting the passion out there and like putting everything on the table and giving you a superior product. And like, yeah, like, fuck it. You heard it here first, listeners. This is the year Sean turns to manga. Let's fucking go, bro. Oh, my God. What a turn. What a a fucking turn that would be. (laughs) So. I'm really curious as to what you guys listening, guys and girls listening, think about this. Are you turned off by the price increases? And where's the line for you? You know, DC made a big show of drawing the line at $2.99 10 years ago. They have since released comics that are literally double that price, and they don't seem to care. Is there a line for you? When will you stop supporting greed? Uh, or do you think I'm bugging out? Do you think that this is much to do about nothing and that, you know, there are plenty of books from both that you can get at cheaper price points and, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Uh, let us know. Get us on social at the Comics Pals. Write to us at the Pals at gmail.com. Of course, wherever you listen to this podcast, make sure that you leave a rating or a review. <clears throat> Subscribe to us on YouTube. Leave us a comment. Share the video with your friends. Uh, all that good stuff is free to do and helps us out a lot more than it costs you. Unlike DC, uh, we are providing you what we feel is high quality content at a price point that you can get with. Hey. Do join our Discord server. Come hang out with us over there. Uh, I ranted a small little bit about this earlier in the week, but uh, I saved the brunt of my frustration for the podcast because <laughs> that's what I do. Uh, check out all of our book clubs. We've got a ton out there, including the Invincible Book Club. And if you want more of us talking about Invincible, check out We Watch Invincible. Adjacent to that, we have We Watch Falcon Winter Soldier, which has also been another great television series. Uh, so we've got lots of great superhero content dropping every single week. Let's get into the plugs, Pete. Thank you guys for joining us here on another episode of the Comics Pals. Uh, you can follow me at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Come talk to me about Invincible. Uh, it is top of mind for me these days. Um, and I, it's been really, really fun to share it with uh, both friends, new and old. So um, if you are looking for somebody to gush about with it, uh, I am happy to oblige. So come chat with me. If you want to get some more content from me, you can go check out the Potscast, uh, weekly Nintendo gaming podcast that I host over on LootPots.com. Uh, and I'm streaming over there on Thursday night, twitch.tv slash LootPots. Uh, so check it out. Oh, 
and my band, Long Friend Time Friend, If Me Dies, Me Dies, available wherever your records are streamed for free because we also believe in giving you a good value or you can buy the album for what you want on Bandcamp. All right. Awesome. Kale? Uh, in lieu of my plugs, I'm going to say happy birthday to the grasshopper man himself, common writer. It's Woo! his 50th birthday. Today, as we're recording, April 3rd in 1971 was the very first episode that Takeshi Hongo uh, rose from the grave uh, as the cyborg common writer to take down Shocker and protect the world. Uh, go to the tokusatsunetwork.com news channel to uh, see the hell of cool stuff they're announcing. There's a, a common writer double uh, anime that's coming out next year, going to be done in North America. We're getting Shin Common Rider in 2023, done by the same people who did Shin Godzilla in the upcoming Shin oh, Ultraman. That's what? And a reboot of the most popular uh, Common Rider series, Common Rider Black, which if you know anything about Power Rangers, there was an American spinoff, an American adaptation called Masked Rider uh, when the um, uh, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers were around. And uh, they're doing a reboot of that series. I'm done, man. I'm fucking toast. <laughs> You can follow Phil at Cyborg Bebop. That's C-Y-B-O-R-G-B-E-B-O-P. P. Damn. Go. Uh, Marco. You can follow me at Mr. Marco Onomoto on Instagram and Twitter. Um, get the DCU app. To, it's going to let you read comics and not pay a finger every time you go out to the store. But... I will say I'm going to shout out for Swamp Thing. Yeah. Uh, do we know that that's $4.99? Uh, I don't know. It's Swamp Thing. I'm going to pay for it, unfortunately. <laughs> Enjoy month. your card stock. Thank you. As for me, uh, <laughs> I'm on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. I love DC and I love Marvel. I love comics. It's the greatest thing going. And I just wish that um, you know it felt like they cared more about us. So let's talk about, you know, good comics. Let's talk about good stories involving both these companies. And let's, you know, let's bring some more cheer around around the industry because uh, it's, it's a rough one. So with that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Uh, Sean, can I get my uh, box back? No, it's fine. But... Marco just loves to be fingered by DC to get to read this whole thing.